now. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of Flow Aligned Podcast with your hosts, Sumed Chatterjee and Ryan Gafur Khan. Today, we're talking about a lot of interesting topics about, you know, anti-heroes, about what does winning mean, what is values, what does it mean to have integrity, and a whole other range of topics. So, man, a little bit beforehand, me and Ryan were warming up and just vibing a little bit, and he channeled uh, a baboon <laughs> Ben, right now um we are talking about well the ideas that came up such as the ideas of integrity i think integrity is an interesting idea it has the word integra which sounds almost like integrates so i feel like someone out of integrity is not integrated because home is where all parts of you are integrated it's where you feel the safest Right. So I think that when someone is out of integrity, they're misaligned or they don't have a sense of like the, the real question for integrity is who are you being when nobody's watching? I think that's one of the important questions when it comes down to integrity. And that's also an important element towards, you know, having being on code and, you know, Recently, I made a video about this today about the samurai code, how they have seven virtues, uh, some of them being, you know, courage, which is similar, similar to stoicism, you know, respect, loyalty, sincerity, these kinds of things. So what's coming up for you, brother? What's coming up for me is let's look at integrity in the modern society. We've talked a lot about character and the way people act and etc and i do believe practicing the idea of what if the camera is always on you how would you act and living life through that lens is way better than living life like people are judging you continuously it is the idea of being an admirable character, a, a, a variation, a iteration of, let's say, me, myself, as Ryan, who would be my most admirable character would obviously be, or logically be, he who is most integral, he who moves with integrity. Integrity is the same Thing or very similar or along the same lines of he who I can trust because he embraces principles. He embraces a way of life. If someone has a fantastic reputation, can we assume he has integrity? And would, can we assume that integrity is context-based? I would say no. Because if we do one thing in one way, we should do all things in that way, else we're missing alignment. And I do believe, especially men, should learn to be of more integrity. And here's where the tightrope comes into play. And what I mean by tightrope is what works 
is effective. Let's look at wills. We want to have more money because as men, and I'm looking from that specific perspective, we want money because money is a symbol, it's a status booster, it is many things. But in the way that we get it, might not be as effective, might not be as efficient. And then you have the integrity that comes into play. Am I truly okay with hurting people to get money? Am I truly okay with, you know, conning people into getting my money? Can you live with that? So be it. And if you can't live with that, it doesn't have to be a problem. Now, I'm not advocating illegal things, but what I am advocating is, is that tightrope where choosing between happiness versus feeling unsatisfied it's asking yourself, where does the true value lie? Am I going for, let's say, the topic of wealth? Am I going for becoming wealthy because I want to show off? Or do you want to become wealthy to remove a family curse of, let's say, poverty? If you would, let's say, this might be an interesting exercise for the listeners, the viewers to do. If your goal is to have a legacy of, let's say, wealth, how would you love to acquire wealth? And how would, of course, integrity, the things, the character values that you associate with, let's say, your most ideal self come into play? And then simply ask yourself, would it be practical? What are your thoughts, Sumit? Man, you know what I was reminded of? <laughs> I'm reminded of that song by Kanye West, which is like, how can one man have all that power, <laughs> right? That song. And it's like, it's true. Like when you think of power, like power has this ability to corrupt and it can also be used for greatness, right? So it's the same energy, but it's how you choose that energy that determines you know, it's effectiveness, it's path, it's self-sabotaging mechanism, whatever it is, right? Yeah. There's a particular um, fuel there to use with power. So I think the, the problem happens when people get really uh, powerful, they have a lot more responsibility. And with that responsibility comes a lot more stress and pressure sometimes, and people become hypocrites. People, yeah. you know, they start backstabbing or perhaps they get into a mentality of like, you know, a lack of empathy for others or, you know, not understanding others or just kind of going like erasing people off of the path and just going past the top of the mountain. So I think, of course, that that mentality is like force. But then, you know, David R. Hawkins talks about power versus force, right? Power in its sense is a very expansive energy. Uh -huh. right it's it's meant to be there to add more it's an additive right whereas force is a subtraction it's like a taking energy right so it's actually scoping in force is much more of a an energy that is narrowing in um and just pushing rather than being and you know holding the presence so this, this power versus force is an interesting dynamic because people outside of who don't have integrity, 
they're much more likely to to resort to force, right, to get their way because their their thoughts, words, and actions aren't aligned, and so it's like it's it's not coming from an expansive energy, in a sense, because it's like. Um, similarly, I, I'm reminded of the word confidence, like uh, con man, right? Con, con man comes from the word confidence man, because uh, the thing is like, you know, there was this guy who used to tell people, can I borrow your watch and I'll give it back to you tomorrow. And he never ended up, you know, he got caught. He never gave back the watch. He just took it. So he's like, can I, can you trust me? Can, can I give you the confidence that, you know, you can put your faith in and then you know, so he was out of integrity, technically. So con man, uh, the word itself, it comes from confidence man. So that's important to understand because the word con isn't confidence. So we talk about this idea of fake it till you make it. You've got to understand how to fake it in the beginning. But if it reaches a certain threshold, you start to drop, right? So if you fake it for the entire storyline, it starts to eat you up inside. So what you gotta do is have a little bit of delusional, I talked about this in a video as well. Uh, you have to have delusional confidence that gets you up the ramp because you don't have any reference experience. If you're just starting a business, you know, doing something new, there's no reference for you succeeding yet. So yeah. you gotta have visualizations and those visualizations are technically delusional, right? They're not real. So you gotta start with those delusions, but then eventually, you're going, to, <clears throat> you're going to have to integrate them into your reality in some way, right? And that's, that's the process of you getting to a core confidence, which is not external, but it's internally validated. So arrogance is too much confidence. Insecurity is too less confidence. Core confidence from within that can't be taken away because that's a part of one's character and one's soul, which is again, an expansive energy. So the core confidence comes from knowing who you are, self-knowledge, self-awareness, and building the character and just, you know, getting to a space of mastery. So I think it's more about skill set rather than confidence because confidence is like motivation. It's very temporary, right? It's, it's something that happened in the past, which you know makes you feel confident, but what is more valuable is presence and being alive, right? Um, living each moment and fulfilling, being fulfilled in each moment. So you're living with fullness and freedom. I have a good question, uh, Samit. What does that has to do with being of integrity? Mm -hmm. um, so. In terms of integrity, th this is the way that I see it, is that when you're living in integrity, you're living in accordance to your truth and your values, right? And when you are living in accordance to your own code or your own truth and your own values, you're generally an honorable, ethical human being and you have these things. However, a lot of people, they seek something external like they seek the feeling of power and arrogance rather than actually getting the end goal. You see, so that, that it's kind of like a distraction where it takes you away from the goal, actual, you know, X marks the spot. So in a sense, a lot of people who are seeking integrity are seeking the wrong things that are going to take them away from integrity, actually. Um, so let's say that you want... 
you know, a new house or whatever, and you have that in mind as an example. Now you can imagine the new house as it is, but then you can think of, oh man, but then what if I move to that location and, you know, something bad will happen in that location. And you start overthinking the process rather than actually focusing on the end goal, right? You think of all of the different factors around the goal, which is important. Like you got to consider factors and things like that. But when the factors become like a thousand and they're overwhelming, it starts to spread you out, right? It becomes too overwhelming to decide. And decide, the word decide means to cut, to cut out all other options. So I think when you're living in integrity, you've got to learn how to cut out different things that distract you and different, you know, options that aren't really serving you from getting to that end result. So does that make sense? It makes sense. And what came up just now was, it also has to do with um, the spirit animal I summoned before the podcast. Um, uh, the baboon, more specifically the mandrel, is a spirit animal of knowing your boundaries and setting it. And I believe integrity has a lot to do with setting your boundaries. It's about staying true to what is your character. Now, what I do believe is my character is a soft character, but it's very black and white in what the boundaries are. Meaning I love to go through the flow of life and enjoying it all. However, I have to play by the rules, not just of society, but of how my character sees things and i want to know how to how does integrity relate to setting up boundaries and let's take a case of where a loved one would cross a boundary knowing or unknowing how can let's say i still be uh calibrated in either correcting and staying integral? Right, that's a really good question. So a lot of people think that setting up boundaries is like a very harsh thing, right? Like it's, and, and a lot of people, they don't have very core boundaries in the sense of like, you know, it that boundary should be adamantium, right? Like for instance, you know, example of like molestation or something right you like you got to know like okay this is off limits right and that's an adamantium boundary where it's like nope sorry that's not going to happen yeah. right you, you it's like a no life. hit offense right exactly so um whereas some people that they have boundaries that are kind of like styrofoam it's like people can just you know cross over it walk through it and stuff like that so i think it's important to have loving boundaries Right. So this idea that you still care about the person. So it's not it's not like an interrogation. Right. Like from a CSI, you know, crime scene. But it's more like, you know, two friends having a chat about quite a serious, crucial conversation, uh, you know, serious discussion and understanding the values that that come into that. And, you know, I've learned the hard way to set boundaries because it's like, you know, at a certain point, you just tolerate it. You know, you tolerate kind of like people's comments, like after a while, like, you know, I've heard it from, yeah. you know, 
close to my life, my parents, like the same comment, you know, over and over again. And then you reach a certain threshold or, or breaking point, you could say, and that becomes the boundary. So knowing your own specific breaking point can be very useful to know what you're going to tolerate up to a certain, like, what is your breaking limit? You know, what is the threshold where you're like, okay, enough is enough, right? So you got to know that for yourself and you got to also express it to the person in a loving way. I call them care frontations, right? So um, understand that. And also I'm reminded of Jocko Willink when he says discipline is freedom, right? So we think that, you know, being creative is about just, you know, having a load of options and like every single thing connected to each other. That's, that's true. It's about connection. However, you'll notice that when you set an outlier or a boundary for your creativity, like I can only do it from this time to this time. I can only use words from this magazine to write this poem. You know, you, you give yourself a limit and that makes it easier for you because you have a structure to, you know, build off of. So your left brain and right brain are working together in a sense, right? A lot of creatives, they're only using right brain. And that was my issue initially when I started coaching. Before I started working with Joe, I was very right-brained and I would just be creative. But then when Joe gave me a structure to my creativity, that gave me a balance of my hemispheres, therefore more be, me being more in flow, therefore you know, being more in my zone or in my genius zone character. So I feel that people need to really balance out these hemispheres of not too many boundaries. So it's like, you know, you're pushing away everybody, right? However, at the same time, knowing the times and the moments and the, and the effectiveness of actually setting a specific boundary. And it really is context dependent as well. You know what I mean? Like hmm. What the boundary actually is. So what's coming up for me is... What if integrity is one of the main values or virtues, I should say, of your character? But to be integral means to be so true to your character that you can live life with ease, because that's, that's one of the points of, uh, I believe it's called Rising Atlantis from ACD, where he advocates the point of we, we make life complex. And if you can imagine a life where you, you don't have to feel guilty about doing this because it's one, integral to your character and you're a person, a man, a woman of integrity, then why worry? You don't have to walk a tightrope. You choose to walk a tightrope. And it is in that discipline of how you interpret situations and how you proact to people who cross your boundaries or get near it is always in your power to how you act upon these situations. So if someone crosses it and there's a clear violation and you've corrected multiple times, and I say after the third time you cut them off and you did it, that's a violation of your character. And then you simply ask yourself, not only why, 
But are you willing to keep tolerating this pain? And the answer should be, of course not. Communicate or cut it off. If the person is not willing to change or whatever, apologize, then the answer is pretty straightforward. Cut, decide. To decide means to cut. You cut a knot. There's also a Dutch saying, which is also translated into cutting the knot. He who is decisive will be rewarded by the universe. It's the same thing where you have a sitcom and you're one of the main players. The audience wants you to succeed and to go to the trials so that they can feel fantastic. Imagine if you had a little brother and he would see you break your word. If you have advocated the Bushido code, wherein to be a samurai is to be of service, as per your last video, a samurai has to follow his code, be it his variation of it or whatever. But he has embraced it. He has embraced the code to the point where it's part of it. It is integrated, it is integral. So to break it means to break your character, to be, to be facilitating something that is not aligned with what you're about. And it's in that lesson is where you have a chance to grow. It is not a bad thing or such an unfortunate thing that you have broken character. It is that now you have a new way to be even more of integrity. So it's, it has a lot to do with how can you make your life easier? It's never a bad thing to be triggered. It is, however, unfortunate that you keep being triggered by the same bullshit. One of the ways that people are being triggered is if you cross my boundary, I get triggered, obviously, but because it's a sore point. Your thoughts to me. Yeah, man, it's reminding me of this idea of thought, of, thought about and maybe like four months ago, I was thinking about this idea of, of being a selective sponge, right? So in a sense, you want to not absorb everything that is going on around you. You want to be selective in your information that is actually effective, right? So if you're learning from a thousand different mentors, you know, you're scattering yourself with like so much knowledge that a, a lot of that knowledge, like not every single book is going to have little datums that is going to serve your life, right? right? There might be even certain datums that might distract you or maybe get you off of the course of what you're trying to do, right? So it's really what Bruce Lee says in terms of, you know, absorb what you what is useful, discard what is unnecessary, and to add what is uniquely your own. And so I like that model of, being able to add what is uniquely your own because first of all you're adding your twist to things but yeah discarding what is unnecessary right there's certain things that are just simply not having a function in your life and they're they're not there to do something i know that um musashi also has like a list of 
a lot of uh, doctrines or rules of life that, uh, you know, he has a lot of them. I was just looking them up. I think there's like 17 or 27 of them. Um, I'll have to look them up, but could you pull it up, Ryan? <laughs> Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> so what is it called? So principles of Mu. So, 21 principles Miyamoto Musashi. There we go. So yeah, the great principles, just they're very on on code, on points. And I think it Could you quickly explain what you mean by on code, on points? Yeah. So, okay, let's go through them, first of all. So, yeah, the 21 precepts of uh, Dakota. Okay. So, accept everything just the way that it is. Right. So if you don't accept things for what they are, you're going to it's you're going to have suffering in life. If you're rejecting whatever is in your life, you're creating more resistance, therefore creating more suffering in life. Right. Don't okay. seek pleasure for its own sake. Stoic principle, purpose over pleasure. Um, do not enter any circumstances depend on a partial feeling. If you're kind of like 50 50 about like, you know, a situation, don't do it. If you're 100 percent, that's when you leap in to do it. Because there is a feeling of doubt that's going to creep in and self-sabotage you regardless, right? So what I mean by on code is these, these lessons are just lessons of nature, essentially, that he's taking from, right? Um, think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. Uh, be detached from desire. Uh, don't regret what you have. Never be jealous. Never let yourself be saddened by a separation. Resentment and complaint are appropriate, neither for oneself or others. Don't let yourself be guided by the feeling of lust or love. In all things, have no preferences. Be indifferent to where you live. Don't pursue the taste of good food. Don't hold on to possessions you no longer need. Do not act following customary, do not act following customary beliefs. I think this is a big one, too. A lot of us just follow traditional and conventional beliefs, thinking like, it's going to serve us, but in the end, they actually don't serve us. Like, so uh, don't collect weapons or practice with weapons beyond what is useful. That that's coming from master swordsman, right? So you got to hear this guy out. Uh, don't fear death. Uh, do not seek to possess goods or fiefs for your old age. Respect Buddha and the gods without counting on their help. That's an important one. That's a really important one because a lot of people, you know, they rely on deities or spiritual practice to actually give them handouts in life yeah right it's like please give this to me rather than co-creating with the Tao or with the absolute the the god energy so that's a really important one you're right and then you may abandon your own body but you must preserve your honor and then never stray from the way so I think these laws are just like you know they're, they're almost like commandments in a sense of their you know, they're, they're very powerful. And again, it's, it's very stoic, right? In nature, if you really break them down, they're actually very similar to stoic beliefs and principles too. So yeah, Musashi is an absolute master swordsman. So yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys because I came across it. What do you think, Ryan? Well, the first thing was the pad of aloneness. I like the title. I like the title because a lot of things that we do in life start from the I perspective. 
the me perspective. And I find it funny how we love ourselves more than others, and yet the judgment of others has a tendency to influence our own integrity. And by following the rules of these wise men, these men who have been through a lot of pain, and yet through some miracle or better said, through their own prowess, be it in willpower, skill, you name it, they have managed to create their own philosophy. As you should, because it is what his code is. And even though I absolutely agree with what's being said here, it doesn't mean I, I completely embrace it. And it's in the learning how to embrace what works and let go of what doesn't is in how you evolve. If you ever have the chance to read the, the Vagabond manga written about how Musashi goes from a vagabond ronin, ronin meaning he is a samurai without a master. His priority, in his case, there to get fame and practice his skill, slowly realizing that fame is not the point. The true point is to become the master, the true undefeated under the sky. And he meets old masters and he experiences what it is to face these undefeated warriors because to be defeated means to die, literally. And after fighting different opponents, you see this character being in conflict with himself. Because even though he won thus killing an opponent, he felt empty. Why is that? It is obviously or logically because the winning of a fight was never to true point. The getting fame of becoming infamous was never the true point. The true point is pride is nothing more than an emotion. It is the skill that gets results is what's true. There was a point in time where he found a kid and that kid later becomes one of his main students, but this kid had no dad, had no family. And when he tried to take the kid back to his village, the village of the kids, I should say, he saw that it was a famine. The fields weren't growing wheat or rice, I should say. And he decided, you know what? Let's try something else. Learning how to cultivate rice, designing 
a better field to plant rice. And then after months of moisture trial and error, he had to back the local Lord, let's say, because he couldn't see his people, his new friends, his new family go through it. And the price he had to pay was to become a samurai again. Now, of course, I'm reading this from my own interpretation and the interpretation of the author of this manga. But to see a person test his integrity, not as a ronin, a warrior, but as a good person, there's where the true power lies. And I believe that's what sets him apart from a lot of warriors is that my skills cannot save lives. It is the farmer who feeds his village. He's the one who saves lives. And it's in that realization is where he starts to see his skills is fame in a new light. And there's where, boom, the master is born or the master is being created. Your thoughts, Sumit? Yeah, man, the, this idea of mastery has always fascinated me. Like we get to a certain point where we understand that, you know, our journey is not over, you know? And so you've got to have these different mindsets in place. And these are actually Bushido mindsets as well, you know? Shoshin, beginner's mind, starting from a blank slate. Yeah. Right. Um, you have Mushin, which is synonymous to flow, which is clear mind or no mind. Then you have Fudoshin, which is almost like emotional balance. It's like a state where you're not like overwhelmed with your emotions, but you're just like chill with all of these emotions. You're re regulated. Right. And then I believe Zanshin, which is, uh, did I mention that one? Yeah. Zanshin is alertness and, you know, awareness. So, as a samurai, as uh, even a you know, Ronin sounds so cool to say. By the way, I, I remember playing this video game once. A samurai X. I think it was something like that, man. It's like this Ronin samurai who's like, I don't even remember. But yeah, Samurai Jack is another great show. Well, he's technically a Ronin, but samurai sounds cooler. Right, and. Yeah, they've got to switch from these states of mind very quickly, right? Because in one moment they could be attacked and they have to have that quick reflex of alertness and zanshin, right? And then in the next moment when they're in the precipice of meeting an opponent or something, a, a danger or fear, they've got to be in no mind because they know they're about to step into the flow state, right? So they have to be able to switch from these very quickly. So let's say the girlfriend is fighting with the samurai, you know, he has to put on fudoshin. And just be like, yo, I got to control my emotions right now. Otherwise, this is going to go every single which way. So right. I think, you know, just as people, we can just captivate and collect the samurai states of mind and use it throughout our days when we can tap into it. And I think that's one of the pathways towards mastery is mastery of the mind because all is mind. Right. Yeah. And so if we master that, then we master everything. There's an interesting uh, book I have here, which always has to do with uh, the samurai, Hakakuri, 
you guys are interested, this cost me about, I don't know, a, a few years to buy. But one story that stuck to me on the subject of, you know, being of character, staying integral to your teachings is the idea of the samurai and inconvenience. And if we look at the modern world, walking through rain is still an inconvenience to this day. And there's a story the author goes over, I believe his name is Yamamoto Sunetomo. And he argues the point of the samurai is always the samurai, regardless of whether he's simply running an errand, like doing quick grocery shopping, as well as preparing to die in war, which is the point of a samurai. You have the samurai doing a quick errand for his lord, probably letters or working as a messenger, and it starts to rain. Now he knows his kimono, whatever he's wearing will get wet and he's a bit annoyed by it. And then he observes the surroundings and he notices the peasants, the commoners are complaining about the rain and he starts to realize, I should not complain. This is simply a trigger. And he asks himself, if my brothers would see me, how would I act? And the answer is, I would act like a samurai regardless of whether my lord would be here or my brothers or my teachers or this rain or these commoners. So he puts the letters into a pouch or whatever and he simply walked like the stoic that he is. Meaning he's in such a state of mind or he catches the inconvenience or he catches the trigger and simply moves towards his goal in the right fashion. And because he moves towards the right, in the right fashion, he chooses to be of character and he chooses to be of integrity. What's that doing for you, Sumi? Yeah, man, I'm just thinking like how important the state of mind really is, you know, like in every single moment, we tend to get, you know, much more the, this state of mind gets transferable, right, from other people. So other people's state of mind transfers into our state of mind. So we have to learn how to put up boundaries even in our mind sometimes, right? Because a lot of people are entering it, they're keeping the door open, they're keeping it messy, and then they're walking out, all right? So, you know, I got sick and tired of this idea. So I decided that, you know, I would transform myself. You know, a lot of my clients, they, they ask me about, you know, chakras and clearing and all this kind of stuff. So if you're listening right now, guys, and if you're finally ready to transform and not live a diluted and muted reflection of yourself, I have a gift for you, okay? And my gift to you is I'm offering you a seven-week pilot program 
Okay, this is for people who can't afford my, my bigger programs, but also for people who are suffering, who are suffering from things like childhood trauma, who are suffering from things like, you know, this emotional gunk inside of you that you just can't get rid of and you keep self-sabotaging or you see ineffective patterns. And so it's $7, okay? Yep, you heard that right, $7, covering the seven chakras for seven weeks. So seven, seven, seven. And I'll be speaking to each of you um, each week for 30 minutes. And it's going to be using uh, kinesiology, which is muscle testing, a lot of meridian science, as well as, you know, the scales of consciousness. And, you know, I've personally been through this program myself twice, so I know that it works. However, I need people to beta test this program for this pilot study. So if you are interested for that, you know, uh, if things are clogging your flow state, then this is going to help you turn on that valve and it's going to create a channel, a clear channel for your flow awakening so you can manifest things much faster, okay? So it's, the program is called Unstuck Yourself, okay? Unstuck Yourself. If you are interested, you know, shoot me a message and immediately I'll let you into the Telegram group where we'll be adding a lot of FAQs and group activities and thing like, things like that. So... Let's get all into this, guys. If you are interested to me, feel free to shoot me a message. And yeah, exciting stuff coming on very soon, coming short. Excited to participate as well, Sumit. As soon as uh, this podcast is over, I'll be joining. Now, the reason I'm interested in his program is specifically uh, following my own principle of if you want to innovate, you have to clean up. If you want to maximize what it is, you need to minimize your constraints in your business, which is what I do as a business optimizer. Now, I believe that on the topic of integrity, childhood trauma specifically tend to get in the way of being of integrity. Have you ever noticed that you behave slightly different around certain people? Now, I have a weakness for authoritative figures, especially parents. Now, I've caught myself multiple times in, even though it was a small thing, I would break character for that small reason. And I've realized where it comes from. Now, I don't know what with the, which consultant or guru said this, but between the ages of zero and seven is where the foundation of the adult life is built. It is the fundamental program. It is what we call the old programming. And all the childhood traumas stem from that place. Now, my specific purpose with the Unstop program of the Flowzone Academy, led by Sumiteriti, also known as the Rapper Scripts, good shout out for the Rapper Scripts. Um, how I plan to use it is to clean up the gunk that are, that is my childhood trauma so that whenever I'm being inconvenienced to whatever degree, be it small or severe, that no longer will this gunk get in my way of reaching new potentials and becoming potent in acting my character. So if... You can afford this. And I mean, it's just $7. 
And if you can't, you should be ashamed of yourself. How dare you? Because he's just doing this for seven dollars, seven weeks of his time. Is he always doing this for free? Seven dollars would be like somewhat rupees. It's like a McDonald's meal, basically. Maybe some chicken nuggets. You're paying chicken nuggets for cleaning up the essential part of your life, the things that get in the way. Imagine how much ripple effects it will have on your life. So dear listeners, if you're interested and you can't pay and it's just fucking seven dollars, you shouldn't even be not interested, fucking pay the man. Get on this program, help yourself. As per ACD, I truly believe that it's your decisions is what gets results. So if you decide not to take it and complain later, <laughs> it's only logical. So to add it on the so-called call to action, my name is Ryan G from EDS, Align Data Strategy. I primarily focus on business optimization and in the case of being also a student of the Flowstone Academy, I believe business owners need to get unstuck. If you decide to cut the knot to decide, decisions dealing with your tra childhood traumas is a great way to do it. And that's why I and will gladly give $7 to this program because this might be worth thousands upon thousands of dollars. So Sumit, your call to action, what would that be? Yeah, so if you are interested in that, guys, you can shoot me a message on Instagram. That's at Flowzone Academy, F-L-O-Z-O-N-E Academy. And then from that point forward, I will add you to the Telegram group. And I will let you know any updates on when it's starting. And then we'll, we can get it started from there. So, yeah. That's Fantastic. The Fantastic. This has been the Flowzone Academy with Ryan G and Simi Jerry I wish you a good night. May your life never be the same. Be the best, fuck the rest, all the good shit. And have a happy, happy, happy Easter. Good night. <laughs>